Thank you for joining me on the show today. This is The Now Talks, a collection of inspiring personal stories and leadership lessons from some of the world's most iconic leaders. It is the weekly podcast for women in leadership brought to you by Nations of Women. My name is Dr. Tina Alton, and I'm your host for today and the coming weeks. Your life's journey, the lessons, the wisdom. I think so many women um, often need. I certainly know that I've craved for it many, many times, but hasn't really had the opportunity to have it as often as I had needed it in my life. So I'm just so privileged to spend this time with you today. And uh, hopefully not just myself, but many other women around the world will be able to, you know, take some of the wisdom that you have acquired as you have been doing in your own life, but also as a woman, as a mom, as a leader, that uh, we can find hope, Mm -hmm. you know, especially in our world these days. and also find, um, I think, nuggets that we can apply, you know, into our lives to be able to see the results that, you know, it's it's supposed to bring. So um, just to kick us off, I'm here with my very good friend, my sister, my confidence, so many, you know, things in between this at Malpec, all the way in <laughs> Aruba. <laughs> Suffering, suffering, suffering so much. The beach, the sun, it's incredible suffering. If you ever feel like you need to, you know, you haven't suffered enough in life, come to Aruba. Um, And uh, Lizette is an incredible, you know, uh, global leader. You've had the opportunity to do work cross-culturally, different, you know, um, countries, even leading um, teams from different, different backgrounds. So, um, I think we would have the opportunity to add your bio to this, but really the purpose of our time today is is as we're thinking about the summit in South Africa, but even more so longer term beyond the summit. I feel that it's it really is the time for us as women to arise and come into the light of our original design. But the question that I've been pondering myself in my heart um, and you know with my team and those around me is how how do we as women know when it is the time you know how do we know when it is the time so part of our conversation is going to try to unpack how do we get to come into that awareness of okay it's time for me to arise um the focus of our of our time together in south africa is accelerating uh, women's leadership for greater socioeconomic development um i think there's research to show whether it's peace talk agreements or you know war or any form of negotiation even just business and marketing when women are present at the table the results look different and so i think um, we have we do have a role to play in being able to accelerate the leadership of women i also feel that part of the 
the reason why when I was seeing a lot a lot of women at the table comes down to confidence, either confidence in ourselves, confidence in our capacity, capability. And sometimes that lack of confidence actually comes from, you know, something in our head or sometimes things we were told when we were kids. Um, so again, we will try to unpack what is it that, you know, stifles the, the confidence of women or steals the confidence or stalls, however we want to look at that. Um, and there are seven key areas that we are focusing on as we're thinking about how can we specifically accelerate the leadership of women. One is coming into the understanding of the power of who we are. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, the power of our presence, the power of our dream. You know, there's so many dreams that I believe are in the hearts of many women, but it's dying. And so, you know, what is the reason behind that? Why why, why are the dreams not coming to be? Um, we'd also think about um, the power of our words, that life and death lies in our tongue, but we often use our own words and our voice to even, I believe, sometimes curse ourselves. And Particularly, I remember growing up in Africa where um, I don't think our moms or our dads really intend to, you know, curse us or, you know, give us um psychological abuse but I think it's just a cultural thing if you do something silly oh you're so stupid you're so you know and those can sometimes become imprinted in our in our you know in our mind <coughs> that in itself can also I believe steal confidence so we would look at that and then the power of connection that we all are a key to somebody else's breakthrough we're all a product of someone somebody's connection but often I find women don't like to you know, open doors for other people, access because what well, somebody betrayed them, cut my heels, blah, 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 you know. But again, I think that mindset really needs to shift. And so our heart um, in, in, in this um, uh, time together is really to, to, to module for the women in, in, in the world to see what it looks like when women no longer walk in fear of, you know, if I open the door, create access for somebody else. So, um, and perhaps maybe some nuggets on how actually do we nurture relationships that are entrusted to us? How do we steward? I think is the good <coughs> stewarding relationships that, you know, come to us. And then the power of community, um, again, because no one person's an island, you can't really get to your destiny by yourself, you need others. But how do you go that journey with others how do we pull that veil down so that we can be real and and actually receive what it is that is designed for us to receive within that community once that veil is torn so i know i've said a lot but i wanted to lay a really great you know foundation to bring to our readers and our listeners um, a deeper understanding of not just the conversation for here but really for the purpose which is arise and shine for your light has come um, so with that said, I want to roll back to you, Lisette, and maybe just share a little bit about your life's journey um, with our ladies. Well, first and foremost, Tina, it's a joy to spend this time with you. It's been absolutely <clears throat> wonderful. I love you so dearly, and I am so very proud to call you my sis. Uh, and to all those that are listening or that will be reading, um, just blessings out 
to you. Um, as Tina has shared, my name is Lizette Malmberg. I am from the island of Aruba. And uh, for those of you that may not know, Aruba is in the southern tip of the Caribbean, uh, very close to South America. Uh, so about 15 miles off the coast of Venezuela uh, and, and a little bit further away from Colombia. So we are actually the furthest south in the, in the Caribbean. Aruba, just for your context, uh, is part of the Dutch kingdom. So we form a, uh, if you will, uh, part of the Dutch, um, the Dutch kingdom of nations. And there are six islands in the Caribbean uh, that are all a Dutch uh, as far as our background is concerned. Uh, so we speak four languages on the island. We speak Dutch as our official and legal language. We speak Papiamento, which is a mixture of Portuguese, Spanish, English, Dutch, African, and Indian. Beautiful language. We speak Spanish fluently and we speak English. Um, and so we are quite blessed uh, because we have on a very small island, we have over 150 nationalities that are living here. So Aruba is quite um, cosmopolitan as an island, uh, but also quite multicultural and, and, and just diverse in our ethnicity. And so that provides a certain context uh, for 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 my background, if you will. Uh, I left uh, home when I was very young. I left when I was seventeen and went to university in uh, in America, and uh, and married quite young. Married at twenty, uh, barely graduate from uh, from university, but uh, that did not work out. And a piece of advice to all of you. When your parents or those closest to you actually are saying, you know, uh, you know, with a heart of love towards you, of course, and you need to discern that properly. Uh, but, you know, that really is not the partner for you. I was quite stubborn in those days and I was, this is the love and this is it. And I don't care what my parents or anybody else says, but that's it. And that was, of course, a major mistake. So by 23, I was divorced uh, and quite heartbroken. And that heartbrokenness sent me on a very wild life. And so um, I came back home to Aruba. I lived in the States uh, after my graduation and for the three years during my early marriage. <clears throat> And I came back home to work in our family company and help grow that company together with my brother and my father. And so um, from that business perspective, we're uh, in the tourism business in many, many branches of it uh, and employ close to today, close to 400 uh, people and associates and uh, have businesses uh, in quite a unique blend of services uh, on for actually for the entire Caribbean. Our company is quite unique in that perspective. Um, but I came back home heartbroken and uh, engaged in a very permissive and very wild uh, 
a lifestyle until at the age of 28, uh, I got cervical cancer. And um, basically that was a wake up call for me. And so thank God it was treatable and I was able to recover within a period of time, but it changed my lifestyle. So my lifestyle became much more focused on health and um, just taking care of myself. Um, and I began a journey of seeking, not really knowing God. I don't. I did not come from a religious background or a Christian background. <clears throat> And my parents uh, were people of, of, of high uh, virtue and values and integrity, but did not know the Lord. And so um, I started a journey of just seeking. Uh, at the age of 32, um, I uh, was actually surprised with a pregnancy with someone that I I had met in, uh, in in business relationship uh, at a time when our company was facing almost bankruptcy, and um, and that ended up with uh, my having my daughter as a single mom. I knew the relationship had no future, but I I, I didn't uh, believe that I had reason not to have her. I didn't believe even at that time, not knowing God, I didn't really believe that abortion was the answer uh, for me. And so I chose to have her. And that was one of the greatest blessings of my life. And when my daughter was uh, two years old, I ended up in another relationship and my heart was broken again this time it was the third time because i had had another relationship in the meantime and that also did not work out so um thoroughly feeling as a woman um questioning my own uh say lovability my own uh, ability to to have or hold uh, a man questioning my desirability and women oftentimes when relationships do not work out for a myriad of reasons uh, oftentimes uh, blame ourselves uh, there is a saying that i heard recently and it says in the absence of love and belonging there is suffering and I believe that is true for us as uh, as human beings in general. And so um, when my daughter was two, I met this person uh, and, um, and was in a relationship. And that really became, at that time, the love of my life. And after six months, I was devastated again. And so that really led me to come to a place of surrender. I realized this time, even though I'm quite strong-willed and uh, able, quite resilient, um, this time I didn't have the inner strength to be able to, uh, to if you will, arise or heal myself from this. Um, I was a single mom. I could take care of my daughter physically, but I really could not be there for her during this time uh, emotionally. And uh, one night at midnight, I, uh, at an utter time of despair, I lifted up my hands in the shower uh, and I said, if there is a God, come into my life and change me, heal me, and I will serve you for the rest of my days. Well, little did I know that he was uh, uh, waiting for that invitation 
and the Lord came into my life. And actually, I had suffered from insomnia for about uh, two decades, so a long period of time. And that night, I slept for the first time in a long time. <clears throat> the next day, a friend of mine came to my home and invited me to go to church. And we went to an Assemblies of God church. And there I formally accepted the Lord. But I believe the Lord was already in me and actually unveiled himself uh, once I invited him in. And so began a season of in my life of really seeking uh, who I was at the essence of my being, at the origin of my being, not finding my significance or meaning uh, either in my accomplishments, uh, which by then I, I'd had a career, uh, say, in tourism. We had built our company uh, into uh, into actually a myriad of businesses and the company was growing, even though struggling financially because of a, a closed financial market. Uh, and so so uh, with those challenges, I, uh, I just um, began seeking who I was. And uh, that brought me on a journey of about seven years of learning uh, spiritual um, practices, if you will, not to call them disciplines, but practices um, very early on in my um in my spiritual walk, I just learned a to cleave to Jesus, just to cleave to Him, uh, as by necessity. I, I, the Lord had taken me through a process where my family thought I had joined a cult. They were not familiar with, you know either charismatic Christianity or anything like that. And so they were quite fearful because of the radicalness, if you will, of my conversion. It could be seen, um, you know, um, quite evidently in my life. <clears throat> and so that also isolated me, if you will, from my family. And then a further isolation came from the friends that I had. And I believe that was purposed by God so that I could really fix my eyes upon him as the author and the finisher of my faith. And so a journey and a process began. One of the things I noticed uh, in my early conversion was that there was almost a Christian subculture. Mm -hmm. And so people didn't, uh, in, that, in the world in which I moved, in boardrooms where I was oftentimes the only woman, uh, in uh, places of authority that where decisions were made that shaped the direction of the nation, there were no Christians that I knew of. There were no people that understood that that as well was a mission field, right. that that as well was a place of service, uh, that any place really is a place of service and contribution. Whether it is that you have a passion for the arts or you have a passion for business or you have a passion for education, either formal or informal, or you have a passion for media and communications, or you have a passion for just family and social services or government or any of these areas are bona fide, legitimate places where we can serve others uh, for their good and where we can invest, if you will, the unique character, the unique personality, the unique um, 
gifts uh, that, and talents that we've been given and as we continue to develop them uh, to, 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 to serve our community and to contribute to making this a better world in whatever way that can be. That doesn't always need to be big or broad. Sometimes it's just the little things, you know, that we do with intentionality uh, to serve and to love. And so um, that is a, just a little bit of my background. Um, I know what it is as a business person to be in a position where the bank basically controls all of your assets, including our, our shares in the company, were collateralized. Um, we were paying 13% interest per year. Um, on our loans, which was strangling the company and the ability to have the cash flow needed to continue to grow the company. And then in um, in a pretty short period of time, we needed to uh, grow the company because the hotel sector in Aruba was exploding, expanding. Uh, and so we needed to be have additional access to capital, which put us in a very vulnerable position as we were waiting for these hotels to be constructed. But yes, we needed to make sure that our company was, was well positioned. And so that was a challenging time. So challenging time of having the bank say every month we're not going to pay your employees and really needed to stand in faith, believing, trusting that God was going to make a way of supply. And time and time again, he did. And so maybe in specific answer, because there may be people on this call that may not necessarily be people of of faith or Christian faith. Um, And so um, within that context is the sense that we need faith in everything that we do. Mm-hmm. You know, there is such a thing as natural faith. Yeah. So when you turn on the light switch, you have faith that the light's going to go on. Yeah. That is faith of sorts. Yeah. You know, it's just this belief, this inner belief of that things will turn out for good, that things that happen uh, are meant for our good, even when the circumstance doesn't seem to be that way. Um, But there's actually a development that's happening, a growth that's happening, an unveiling that's happening on the inside of us uh, throughout any circumstance in life. That's why I say, and I've come to believe that there really is no such thing as failure. Mm -hmm. Failure informs us of a potential area of growth. Failure uh, can inform us of a blind spot Mm -hmm. that we personally may hold. Failure can inform us that that is not the pathway to take. (coughs) Excuse me. And that they may be a different path that is opening up before us that if we do not stumble if you will in a particular area that we will not see we will not discover and so having that kind of mindset having that kind of inner resilience and confidence that whatever happens in our lives um, will ultimately turn out for our good. Yeah. Now, this is not easy to do, 
Tina, you talked about something that is uh, our confidence in ourselves. Women oftentimes not fully showing up, not fully using their voice uh, because we're either afraid of rejection, we're afraid of failure, we're afraid of not having what it takes, um, etc. And when you ask the question, which is an excellent question, why is that? Yeah. I have come to believe uh, after just um, serving in multiple areas um, that the key thing is oftentimes shame. Mm. And shame is different than guilt. Yeah. Guilt says you have done something wrong. Shame says you are wrong. Yeah. You are a mistake. You know, you are a failure. Um, And that is a significant difference. So how does shame come in? Shame can actually come in when we're still in our mother's home because of circumstances that of trauma or circumstances of rejection uh, or circumstances of abandonment uh, that are even even happening to our moms. And here we are in the womb and we are receiving, if you will, those signals, uh, even as a... uh, an embryo as a child that's growing up in her mother's womb. And then circumstances in life oftentimes can try to inform us with a lie. I believe there's only one lie. And that one lie is usually uh, crafted in such a way through circumstances and situations in our life that tell us that we are not. You are not. You are not good. You are not sufficient. You are not beautiful. You are not, you don't have what it takes. It's all the things that say, I am not. Mm. And oftentimes those are things that tell us a lie about God or about a good universe, whatever language you want to use. Or, and thus, they mirror to us that we then are, uh, or we question our own Mm self-worth. We question our own identity. The more traumatic circumstances are in our early childhood or our years of uh, growing up, the more this shame-based identity is formed. It causes us to be fearful. It causes us to be timid. It causes us to not uh, take risks uh, in life uh, because we do not feel that we are sufficient. Yeah. You know, and so there's constantly this mindset that informs us a lie that replicates or repeats a lie to us. And that begins to create circumstances in our life. Yeah. That happened to me. You know, for some reason, something slipped in in my early childhood uh, while I had wonderful parents and a wonderful home. But something slipped in in early childhood. It could be generational. I think in my case, it was generational rejection, generational abandonment, um, and generational fear. Uh, from my mother's side that said, you know, you're not enough. So in me, it produced a uh, 
an effect of striving, mm -hmm. an effect of a performance-based identity. So I needed to perform. I was always exerting myself to go the extra mile to make sure, uh, basically a, a almost uh, enslaving work ethic um, to overcome this feeling of not being enough, you know. Uh, so constantly reading, equipping myself, etc., which in essence is good. Yeah. But when the intent or the motivation is yeah. fear, mm -hmm. you know, then it becomes striving. Then it becomes exhausting. Then it becomes continuously trying yeah. to uh, prove or validate my self-worth. And so um, I think that plays a big role uh, for humanity in general, but for women in particular. And because women are so relational, because women are so um, meant to have this empathic uh, and, and, and uh, sensitivity uh, towards others, we're just wired that way. Yeah. Um, it can limit us yeah. in our relationships. Yeah. And so I think that's one of the big reasons, you know? Yeah. This is so good. I think you've really um, hit the nail in terms of, you know, that, that confidence. Because I think it just underlines and underpins so many, so many dreams that are lost. So many opportunities that are lost. I know certainly when I was a lot younger, <laughs> I'm only 25. Um, you know, but again, based on circumstances growing up and you know, constantly um needing to have my father's approval of me, that you know, I found myself in that pattern and it got to a point I thought, no, I'm tired. Right. I really am tired. It doesn't matter whether he likes it, doesn't like it. And also, I think I find that um, for, for most women, it, it really sometimes has to come to like a screeching halt right. to have that realization. I mean, why... Why, why, in your opinion, you know, as, as a mature woman, would you um, say to women, don't wait till you have a screeching halt? Um, I think that is, let me, let me, let me think that through because that isn't always possible. Yeah. Sometimes those screeching halts are by design. Yeah. Uh, and they are meant uh, for our good. Um, because I, maybe to give an example that's very specific, as I went through my marriage failing and then this this, this very um, promiscuous lifestyle and then the cancer and then basically uh, uh, coming into two more relationships where I quote unquote fell in love uh, and those failed, um, it begins to uh, cause you to question your own worth or your desirability of whatever. And, and that can be different in different cases. It yeah. can be different when you're going through yeah. significant lack or poverty or different kinds of circumstances. Yeah. I'm just using yeah. uh, this one. Um, but that those actually relationship failures uh, began to position me to question life, mm -hmm. to question the meaning of life. Yeah, they were necessary for my awakening. Yeah. 
Do you understand? Yeah. So oftentimes we see that screeching halt as something that is negative. But when we see the universe yes, yeah. and we see God or whoever we see as the supreme being um, as good, mm-hmm. yeah. then we begin to understand that everything really is designed for our good. Then it's not about the fact that we come to a screeching halt, rather it is, can we recognize the opportunity mm-hmm. and how will we respond? Yeah. Will we respond where in a way where we focus on the failure, where we say, well, okay, then truly I'm no good, or we come in agreement with the lie, or will we find and begin to seek uh, answers that are beyond ourselves? Yeah. And I believe that's really what any circumstance in life that is painful. Yeah. Because pain informs us that not in a sense that something is missing. But I look at it that something is wanting to be unveiled, that something deeper within us is wanting to be awakened, is wanting to take us, uh, if you will, to a next level in our growth, in our maturing, in our becoming. Uh, and so I think it's 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 important. How do I believe that we can aid so that we don't need a traumatic event yeah. or we don't need a screeching halt, if you will, um, uh, but we're actually informed by life? And, and in my experience, it's been curiosity. It's been the willingness to ponder, to ask questions, to not become so... Uh, there is a possibility to be over-identified with a particular group. Yeah, It's possible to be over-identified with either a particular social class mm-hmm. or either a particular um, um, form of thinking mm-hmm. or a group, uh, whether that is a religious group or whatever. I believe there's a difference between belonging and fitting in. Yes. True belonging always has to do with you showing up as your authentic self. Mm -hmm. Fitting in is you're trying to become something so that others will accept you. Yeah. And so fitting in is always or usually a betrayal of who you truly are. And so when I truly belong somewhere and I am truly loved, I don't need to change myself. Yeah. I don't need to betray myself yeah. to be there, to be in that space, yeah. to be in that group, to be a part of that community. But when I'm trying to fit in, oftentimes I do betray who I really am yeah. because I am trying to either appease or I'm trying, and that can never be true belonging. Yeah. And so I think for us, it's really important. How, how do we interpret signals in life? Are we willing to pause in life? Are we willing to take time to reflect? Mm-hmm. Any leader that does not have in their life mm-hmm. the ability to sit still, the 
practice of stillness yeah. as a regular discipline in life. We, we will not then have the ability to actually see things, to deeply reflect, to ponder, to ask ourselves questions or ask questions of circumstances or ask questions of the universe or ask, ask questions of significant others in our life. You know, uh, and that means that we will always be um, defined by what others think, by others' people's opinion, yeah. you know, by what a very material world tells us about yeah. who we are, yeah. you know, so. Um, no, thank you for that. I think you, you've already answered the second part of the question, you know, in terms of the, the screeching halt, because I've also found, found that on the other side of the coin that, you know, that is the very thing that um, overcomes the woman because they're, they're stuck in why me, you know, why this, and this is not fair and all of those, but you've already alluded to, you know, the, if we flip the coin that actually those are moments that you can, you can either get stuck in that or you can recognize, okay, there's an opportunity here. There is something inside of me that is wanting to awaken, wanting to arise, wanting to become. Right. And as we have that mindset, that in itself I see plays out as strength. That in sure. itself is is a, a recipe for, for right. confidence, right? And mm -hmm. resilience. So as women, mm -hmm. many times when we are hurt, uh, when we feel rejected, um, when we feel either that we've made a mistake or failed in some way, then we can, there's a tendency in us, if we will uh, come in agreement, if we will align with the I am not lie, then we will either rehearse yeah. the pain, so we will constantly be thinking about it. Uh, we will become almost obsessed with yeah. it. We will repeat it and rehearse it in our mind. We will replay the scenario yeah. uh, continuously. We may nurse it. So we're then actually feeding it yeah. uh, with self-talk. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. says, uh, yeah, I can't even believe they did that to me. Or, yeah. you know, um, how could they? You know, and then we begin to feed. When we nurse it, we begin to feed on yeah. resentment, bitterness, uh, you know, uh, even hatred. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. etc. Um, We can curse it. Yeah. You know, so we're basically saying, okay, uh, you know, um, I've cursed the person or I've cursed the situation or whatever the case may be, yeah. you know, or we can choose mm -hmm. to arise from it. Yeah. Yeah. And not to agree with the I am not lie, which is the shame based identity. And to say, no, I have inherent worth. The fact that I exist, the fact that I breathe, the fact that I am here mm -hmm. says something about who I am. Yes. It says something about what was intended yeah. in my being mm -hmm. what was intended for my significance what was intended for me to contribute no one there is no one on this earth who is here by accident yeah we are all here by unique design and with a unique purpose yeah and that purpose is for good yeah and we have already been wired we have already been shaped yeah. we have already been formed mm -hmm. with that purpose in mind mm -hmm. 
And so it then does not become an issue only of development, even though development is important. It rather becomes an issue of discovery. Yeah. Yes. And situations, relationships, and all these things help us on our life journey of discovering. Yeah. Discovering who I am, discovering how I respond in a unique way to situations, discovering how there is more in me than meets the eye. And when I am willing to respond, when I will face life's challenges with that kind of a mindset, with that kind of a resilience, with a refusal to come in agreement with what uh, life is trying to present to me on the side of I am not. And I am saying I am. Yes. Yeah. This is so good. Ladies, I do hope that, you know, we're taking some real nuggets here because I definitely am. And I think, I mean, you've answered, I'm seeing like four or five questions, only one here that um, I think ultimately our victory is going to come from the moment we recognize what life is, you know, throwing at us and refusing to come into agreement with it. I am not. That's, 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 you know, for me, I think that seals the deal. Mm. The moment we recognize, okay, I am in something, this doesn't feel comfortable, then we have to <clears throat> find the other side of the, what is, what is this I am not that's coming at me. Right. And you know what, Tina, for women, oftentimes mm. that is filtered through our emotions. Mm. Yeah. Do you understand? Yeah. Because we are highly sensitive nurturing we're we're wired for nurturing we're wired for relationship we're wired for connection yes and so um and, and that is at a much higher rate, if you will, of sensitivity, yeah. even than, than, than men oftentimes. Mm. And it's not that men don't have that sense, but women have, are particularly outfitted, yeah. are particularly wired uh, to, to connect mm. to others. Yeah. Um, and because of that also, we can, we can filter things through our emotions. Yeah. And what I want to point out with what you were saying is that our emotions are not necessarily the true messengers yeah. or the truth that we want yeah. to uh, come in agreement with. Yeah. You know, Because our emotions may inform us based on an I am not messaging. Yeah. And so when we then, in our mind have the ability to say, no, I am. Yeah. I am good. I am enough. I am able. I have been given the capacity. Yeah. And we, that actually begins to inform our emotional state. Yes. You know, and having the ability and developing the ability to shift our emotions with, in a heartbeat. Yeah. In the journey of life and the journey of maturity and even the journey of spirituality, that is quicker. So if it takes me, if it used to take me a week 
to get over a situation of feeling rejected or feeling angry or resentful or whatever, it now takes me 10 minutes. Yes. Do you understand? Yes. And it's basically because I am not coming in agreement when the messaging is negative yeah. in any way. I know that it's not coming from a source that I need to agree with okay. because it's coming from the source that wants to affirm that I am not. not. And my mind says, no, wait a minute, I make a choice. I am. This is so good. I mean, Elise is right into the connection piece in terms of how do we often even connect. Why do we hesitate in connection? And you've you know you've laid the foundation so beautifully. So I'd like to be mindful of time. I'd like you to share with us maybe you know two or three practical tips that uh, will help any woman as a leader to really be able to steward relationships. I think this is very crucial. You know, we must understand the emotion and, and the message we're getting when we want to. Sometimes I think even ourselves wanting to move into community, move into relationship, connection. And we, we, we kind of like pull ourselves back. But yet that is the very place that is meant for us. So can you give us two to three practical, practical wisdom or nuggets that um, would help women as leaders to be good stewards of the relationships that come to them or that are that are um, created for them or relationships that they desire to build. Mm-hmm. So in relationship building, how can we steward that well? I think that's an excellent question. I think if I think of two to three things, one is recognize uh, when you are experiencing shame. Mm-hmm. Recognize it. Shame comes upon us almost like a like a warm, <laughs> I don't know, coating that you yeah. kind of you know what I mean. Yeah. It's, you feel it on the inside. Mm-hmm. Um, so recognize that um, when there is a shaming event mm-hmm. in our life because we made a mistake, because we um, said something that we should not have, because of whatever circumstance, be quick. Shame cannot bear exposure. Right. So rather than withdrawing in yourself or wallowing in that mistake, you know, understand that that is actually can be used to your benefit. Mm -hmm. So one, expose it. Mm -hmm. At least have one or two people in your life whom you can confess to and say, you know, this just happened. This is the way I feel. Okay. So, so one, recognize that change. Two, what is really important in relationships is um, both empathy, Mm -hmm. being able to uh, allow ourselves, and women are, again, particularly wired for this, uh, to feel uh, deeply uh, with others. And to allow us to allow that to flow. Yeah. Um, and I think third, um, in terms of connectivity, mm. to allow yourself to be yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really, really discover that every day more. How are you? You know, how am I? How, how do I show up? And, and you begin to feel, when am I at my best? When am I functioning and contributing at my highest level? Yeah. And 
make that choice that you're going to show up. Yeah. You know, it's it's it, it actually to a degree is a choice, mm-hmm. you know, that I am going to confess when I'm feeling shamed or I feel that I've made a mistake or whatever else. I'm going to share that with someone. I'm going to expose it because the moment I expose it, it loses its power over yeah. me. I'm not going to hide away. I'm not going to keep it a secret. You know, second, I move in the world with an empowered heart that is open to others. Often as women, we tend to compare and we tend to compete. And that's why the question, a question you asked earlier, which is a very good one, why do we not, uh, why women oftentimes don't create platforms or or, or open to others? It's oftentimes because we're comparing, you know? And the thing is, no one can compare to you. And no one can compete with you yeah. because no one is you. Yeah. And when you're muse- moving from an I am identity, there is a greater expanding freedom that comes to your life as you understand who you are and who you are not. Yeah. Because both are important. You know, because I have a particular thing that I bring to the table. The more I hone in yeah. on that thing that makes me so unique and at my uniqueness is genius level yes that's who you are whoever you are that are listening to my voice listen to me you are in your uniqueness in your uniqueness a genius and the more we get to that sweet spot and we show up as that the more we contribute the more people will begin to seek us out for that very thing that we are. It's not only what we do. We do out of being, out of the essence of our being. And so uh, that becomes uh, more and more, uh, I don't want to say marketable, but certainly it is more recognizable. It shows up in a way that adds value to any space that we're in because we're showing up as that, that we are. You know, and so that adds value. Um, And I think ultimately, if that's our intention in life, that our intent is to love, Mm -hmm. to show up as our authentic self, and in that to serve and add value, then I believe you will see this rhythm of a life that begins to create opportunities for us to show up more significantly. Wow, this is so, I'm like, okay, this is, you know, it's it's incredibly, incredibly enriching. So in our final moments, uh, minutes that we have left, um, I know that you're a woman that walks in purpose. You know exactly your purpose, what you created for, called for. And of course, over time, you know, it's changed, but I think the essence of it remains the same. So um, what would be your final word uh, for women, really from the perspective of empowering them to 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 arise in their purpose, to shine mm-hmm. in their purpose. I would say, first I would ask the question, and I would say to you, what do you have? Mm-hmm. Not what you have not, but what do you have? Mm-hmm. What it is an what is an ability that you have, whether it is sewing, singing, making music, cooking. Everyone has something 
to give something to serve with capacity, uh, talent, Mm -hmm. a gift that we have been given. You don't give yourself the gift necessarily. You discover it and then you develop it and you become intentional. You know, I think rather than trying to be all things to all people, it is more important to find out that thing that I do well and develop that ability, hone it Mm -hmm. so I can be the best in class in that area. I think that's really important. And when we discover that thing that we have Mm -hmm. so uniquely as ourselves is to understand that that makes me a leader. Yeah. Leadership is not position. Yeah. Leadership is influence. Yeah. And influence comes from proximity. It comes from intimacy. It comes from being uh, able to let my gift of being and my gift of doing um, contribute to others. Yeah. So that begins to now expand my sphere of influence. Yeah. You know, because as others find value in what I have to offer, then that is oftentimes demanded more. Yeah. which then create opportunity for us to either either monetize the gift or either either to find a place of contribution for the gift, uh, which uh, there is no gift that's given. There is no talent that is given. There is no capacity that is given that is void of purpose. This is so good. So we have, we have, you know, a few or less than a few, just a couple of minutes left to wrap this up. We have women who are just coming into um, places of leadership um, in community, in nations. We have former first ladies. We have former female presidents. We have women from a very wide, you know, range of background. As a woman, as a mom, as a leader, what is your, what do you want to, what, what would you leave with them that will, I, I want, I want, you know, like you think a seed, what seed um, as a leader in the season of your life, what seed are you willing to plant in the women that are reading this, listening to this? I would want to not just plant, but rather impart. Impart, that's the word, yes. Impart, yeah. A sense of enjoying the present moment, of living in the now. Yeah. We cannot live in the past Mm -hmm. because there's no future in it. Yeah. And so past only serves to enrich us, inform us, and teach us valuable lessons in life. Um, And we cannot live in the future. And even though we must have a vision for our future, we cannot delay our sense of contentment, our sense of I am enough, Uh, our sense of satisfaction of life, of gratitude for life until, and we as women have more of a tendency to do that. So I'll be happy when, I'll be good when. Um, And what I would say and what I would impart to you is the ability, the grace to live in the ever-present now. Now is all you have. Yeah. Now, make a choice. You are a now woman. 
So with that, live in the now. Do not forfeit the moment you are in by not either listening or by not enjoying the person that you're with, the conversation that you're able to have, uh, the, the moment that you're in in your life uh, because you are delaying that gratification, you are delaying that, uh, that, that sense of contentment until you have. You know, and so as we learn to be more present in our own lives, more present to ourselves, more present to those that we are with, you will see life unfolding in a beautiful tapestry and in a very organic way. That's what I would contribute. Thank you. And that said, women. And that's all for this week. You've been listening to Dr. Tina Alton with the Now Talks, the weekly podcast for women in leadership, brought to you by Nations of Women. All that remains is for me to say, have a fantastic week, stay safe, and reach out if you need any help now at nationsofwomen.com. Until next time, enjoy the pursuit of your potential, and remember, now is your time.